Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today is our very special guest. Tell the folks who you are. Hi, uh, this is Evan, um, also from ToughPigs.com and a couple of other places. And I'm real happy to be here. And we are very happy to have you today, Evan. Today we are looking at minutes 11 and 12 of the Muppet movie. It's my 11th and 12th favorite minute of the Muppet movie. <laughs> that You picked a really good time to be on the show then. That's so sad if they go in order. That's so sad that the movie just keeps getting worse and worse. I like, I like to imagine you getting increasingly disgusted as it goes on. <laughs> yeah, I, I despise that finale. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I'm um, kidding. I can't even lie but, about that. It's great. Um, but here... Uh, in this 11 and 12, we start with our final glimpse of Bernie the Agent paddling away. We watch as Kermit rides his bicycle into town, and we end right after Kermit says, rough place, huh, to James Coburn. I think we kind of exhausted uh, Bernie the Agent and Dom DeLuise on our last episode. So I think we should go ahead and jump right into our big set piece here, Kermit riding his bicycle. I actually... No, 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 no. No, you can't. You can't. Because we need to talk about... We need to talk about uh, Kermit sort of fixating on uh, making millions of people happy when he plays that one chord from Rainbow Connection over and over again. Oh, and you're right. Know, he does do that, yeah. I've spoken, I've, spoken to, uh, I've spoken to Ryan about this before, and I think I spoke to you about this before too, Anthony, but if you remember, um, I know we have an article about this on Tough Pigs from way back in the day. Um, but in the original script for the Muppet movie, that line was a little different, right? Yeah, we've been uh, citing that that article, those excerpts um, on on the show. So, yeah, it was much more about Kermit wanting the rich and famous part of the whole deal. Uh, and then by the time they actually shot the movie, as you point out, it was more about him wanting to make millions of people happy, which makes him seem like a, a nicer guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a better choice. Right. It's it's much more well, it's much more sympathetic and it seems much more like Kermit, who we know from the Muppet show runs a theater that doesn't make any money mm-hmm. but presumably makes the audience happy. Right? Yeah, we kinda like well, him as a starving I mean, artist. Yeah. Presumably for sure. makes someone happy. I'm not sure if it makes the audience happy. <laughs> right. Even even Fozzie's mom falls asleep. Um <laughs> But that's a discussion for another time. There are actually um, so, there's a couple more things, though, before we get, get to the bike, actually, from that script, that, that draft of the script from 1978. Uh, by all means. Before the bike shot, there's a whole sort of... They, they kind of dragged on the whole thing of Kermit deciding to leave the swamp. So in that draft, he goes to a bait shop where he apparently works with a cigar-smoking cameo guest star named George. So that was apparently supposed to be George Burns. Um, he specifically says that the auditions are in 10 days. And then George tries to talk him out of going, but then eventually accepts that Kermit is going to go off to be to try to be rich and famous. And then Kermit takes a moonlight walk by the swamp and briefly speaks to another friend of his, a large shaggy creature named Fred. And then they move on to the bike stuff. Huh. Kind of wish we got both of those things, just because I would like to see a large shaggy monster named Fred. 
example, sure. George Burns. Right. But I mean, I the George Burns see... cameo makes sense. Like, I, that's very easy to imagine. Introducing another Muppet who's not one of our familiar Muppet friends here would be a like. I feel like that would be dragging the movie down again. I mean, you I know? can also see for pacing reasons. You really just want to get going at this point. Like, yeah, it's time we... for Kermit to set out on his journey. Right. And especially because Kermit is going to set out on his journey riding a bicycle, um, which Tough Pig's own Danny Horn said years ago in an article that people like casual fans, regular people, the kind of people who don't do a podcast looking at the minutia of the Muppet movie. Normal people. Normal people. Basically remember three things about the Muppet movie. Rainbow Connection, moving right along, and Kermit riding a bicycle. And... I think that that really speaks to the power of this image. It also speaks to the fact that right. maybe maybe I wasn't wrong, and the first like twenty minutes of this movie are the best twenty minutes. Of- <laughs> <laughs> right, all the all the most iconic scenes are at the start. Yeah, um, this is the last good part. This is it. Yeah, no. Well, we haven't seen moving right along. Oh, true. This is the second to last good part. <laughs> right. Um, although I will say. Kermit had ridden a bicycle at least, tw- I, I think, twice before using the same method, right? Um, in the Muppets Valentine show in 1974, in a sketch called Froggy One and Corton, mm-hmm. and in Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas in 1977, at the very beginning. Um, both of those were basically using the same technique as here, where Kermit's pretty much a marionette. He's being operated from above by three strings from a camera crane out, out of frame. So it's a very simple technique. It's not like this is real complicated movie magic, but there's just something about seeing Kermit riding a bicycle on a big giant screen. Yeah, well it's it's a, that, a know, more didn't... it's a more elaborate than usual marionette. And I think the other thing about it sure. here is that in those other two uh those TV specials, those were both done completely on sound stages. But this, you can really tell that Kermit is in the real world. It's on location. He's really riding a bike down that street. So it seems more impressive. Also, the, the other thing is, um, in the United States, only HBO subscribers in 1977 and people who watched this unsuccessful TV special six years, five years earlier, those are the only people who'd seen Kermit ride a bike. So it's not like everybody was looking it up on Muppet Wiki in 1979 to see if Kermit had ever done this before. Why didn't they right? look it so, up on Muppet Wiki? It would have been so much easier. They didn't have time machines. Oh, I thought they did. No, not time machines were not invented until 1985. <laughs> of um, course. There's something that's like very, very viscerally pleasant, I feel like, about seeing the Muppets in these real world environments instead of sound stages. You know, it's the same sort of feel that you get when you watch something like Big Bird in China or Big Bird in Japan or... Um, like don't eat the pictures and and I think that that's something that uh, if I if I was going to be honest I feel like is missing from a lot of the newer Muppet and and by connection Sesame Street stuff sure yeah um, although Sesame did just do that um, magic wand chase special where they and running it wasn't around. very good but that's for well, another but, podcast wah, but, wah. <laughs> sure but they were they were trying to recapture that that effect anyway before we move on any other thoughts about Kermit's bike? Uh, well, I, I found, a, I think this was on Muppet Wiki, uh, a quote from James Frawley, the director, when he did a Q&A uh, at a screening of the movie about 10 years ago. Somebody asked him about this. He said, 
Every time I show the film, whether it's to film students at USC or UCLA or I'm going to a festival, that's always the first question. How did Kermit ride the bicycle? And my stock answer is, I put him on a three-wheeler until he got his balance, and then I put him on the two-wheeler. <laughs> that's pretty great. Yeah. I also love that Kermit's got like the little, the little band, you know, he's got his banjo strapped to him and he's got that red, like traveling uh, bindle set up. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think is inside Kermit's bindle? What did he pack for his trip? Um, Well, some flies because he can't catch them with that tongue. Extra strings for his banjo. Good answer. Sure. He's going to need those. My other thing (laughs) about this is that Kermit riding a bike was... Item number six on toughpigs.com's list of the top 60 Kermit moments. That's a good, that's a good ranking. And yeah. I think, it, I think it is one. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to say was also on Muppet wiki, they have a quote from a Dave goals interview where he talks about how they, well, I'll just read the quote. We had a very sophisticated bicycle rig. That was a little radio controlled car that was mounted in the bike between the front and rear wheels. And it had a mirror on it, so it was ref- so it reflected the ground in front of the bicycle, as you saw from the camera's point of view. But it broke just before we had to shoot the bit. So they had a more elaborate plan to do this sequence. And when it didn't work, that's when they did the marionette thing, which looks great and works just fine and is an iconic Muppet moment almost 40 years later. Yeah, the thing that everyone is amazed by was so, plan B. Right. So I think it just goes to show that sometimes the simplest solution can be the best. And moving on to something that is not the best. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. The one thing that I forgot to mention that uh, I Kermit. think is important is that Kermit rides his bike in front of a very prominent Chevrolet. And it's like, I don't believe product placement was really as much of a thing back then, but it feels so much like product placement to me. Mm. Yeah, the logo sure. on the back of that truck is very, very prominent. Very visible. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that I did not notice before I watched this two-minute <laughs> clip of the Muppet movie like eight times. Right. Uh, I'm, right sure. I'm sure that truck is documented specifically on that uh, internet movie Cars database, but I did not write it down. Huh. Um, so Kermit might drive past a Chevrolet, but he also drives past Doc Hopper's billboard, which is hideous. Yeah, it's uh, the, the graphic design of this thing is is kind of a mess. I guess we can assume that that it was designed or, or painted either by Doc Hopper himself or Max, who we're going to meet in a minute. No, definitely Max. Doc Hopper yeah. doesn't do anything. No, like, you're you have probably to understand right. this. Yeah, so to read the whole thing, you have to start on the lower left where there's this this caricature of Doc Hopper. It says, hop on down. The words Doc Hoppers. And then it continues like uh, way up in the middle the words French fried, which start on the bucket of frog legs, but then go off the bucket onto the, the yellow part of the billboard. Under that, it says frog legs. Then there's like a smaller sign pasted on top of it that says coming soon, another Doc Hoppers. And then there's one of those little like explodey cartoon things that says new. So the design is just all over the place. It's all over the place, which I mean, on the one hand, might just be they kind of slapped it together. But on the other hand, it might also be an indication that Doc Hoppers really does need help in the marketing department. And that's why they're so excited when Max sees Kermit here, right? Like, this is a better opportunity for their commercials than this, <laughs> that's ho- the, whatever they have going on now. Yeah, that's a good right? way to justify it. You know, I think it, I think well, it maybe, works even if it wasn't intentional. 
Or maybe Doc Hopper just knows that frogs are naturally and biologically the world's greatest graphic designers. <laughs> sure. Maybe that's really why he wanted Kermit, not only to be in his commercials, but to uh, to help with his advertising uh, campaign. Have you yeah, ever I'm seen a frog do bad graphic design work? I honestly can't say I have. Well, no, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so let's talk about Max for a second. Um, Max, Max, we should note, is played by Austin Pendleton, who was a very busy character actor. I mean, he's still working. Um, not not as much these days. But before the Muppet movie, he'd been in movies like What's Up, Doc, which is a favorite of mine, the remake of the front page that Billy Wilder made, Catch-22, among many others already. And he would go on to appear in movies like Short Circuit, My Cousin Vinny, and Amistad, among many others. And yes, I did say movies like Short Circuit, My Cousin Vinny, and Amistad, which are all very similar. Um, which, which was the one with the robot? Was that Amistad? Yeah, that was uh, the robot was played by Matthew McConaughey. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amistad Two was was not as good. Where he it's Amistad in the big city that that wasn't as good. <laughs> I also wanted to point out that Austin Pendleton was in Pixar's Finding Nemo as Griggle, one of the tank fish, uh, making him the first of five actors in this movie who have also been in a Pixar movie. For those playing uh, playing along at home, yeah. Uh, so start writing them down. Um, so anyways, do, do either of you have anything you'd like to say about Austin Pendleton or Max here? So this is an important thing to say, which is that my roommate in college uh, looked a lot like Austin Pendleton as Max. So I remember when uh, Muppets 2011 came out, I was in college at the time um, because I'm much younger than you guys. And... Um, we, we all, or I tried to convince, well, I got all, a bunch of my friends to go to a midnight showing, the opening night of Muppets 2011. And I insisted that we all dress up as Muppets. But in the end, I and my older sister were the only ones who dressed as Muppets. Um, but I did spend a lot of time trying to convince my roommate to dress as Max and get a shiny green baseball cap and, <laughs> and, and that kind of weird tie messy tie we never did it but i do still kind of regret that i never got my college roommate to dress as max that's sure, all i yeah, have to say a, about max that's a noble goal but luckily luckily that's the one story that i am the only guest on this podcast who can tell <laughs> yeah and sure, that yeah. would have been great for the zero people uh, at the theater who would have understood what reference he was going for yeah, we were pretty much the only people at the theater. I'm <laughs> oh. not even sure why they had a midnight showing. Oh, boy. Yeah. But, but I digress. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> so if there's, no, if there's nothing else about Max here, uh, the next thing that happens in these minutes is that a steamroller rolls over Kermit's bike. And one of the things that always strikes me about this is that after the steamroller rolls over Kermit's bike and we see the bike in the wet concrete, one wheel is lying flat on the pavement and the other is half sunken into the wet concrete. So like one is upright and the other is laying down and bent. I don't know why, but I've always found that image to be very indelible. Like I think of it very often when I think about images from the Muppet movie and I'm kind of not sure why. Uh, it's but, a cool image. Like mm-hmm. it, it really drives home like this steamroller just did some serious damage to the bike that would have happened to Kermit. Yeah. Um, and then Kermit, of course, hops up onto the top of the steamroller and says, if frogs couldn't hop, I'd be gone with the Schwinn, which I don't know about you guys. 
I love that joke so much. Oh, I hate, I I think hate of it that joke. Single... I hate that joke. You think you hate it? Uh, well, then it's a good thing that you don't live in my brain because I think of it every single time I see the word Schwinn on the side oh, of I a bicycle. I think of it every time I see the word Schwinn on the side of a bicycle and then I feel bad. Is that why you hate it? That the joke doesn't land for me because I, I will say that easily for the first 19 years of my life, I had no idea what a Schwinn was. Mm. So every time Kermit said that line, I could tell it was supposed to be a joke. And I knew what Gone with the Wind was because they once did it on Sesame Street. But <laughs> I could not wrap my head around that joke. And again, I would say that it was not until I was almost done with college that I figured that joke out. And, and it was very frustrating to me. See, my dad uh, drove a Schwinn, rode a Schwinn when I was a kid. So my whole, as far back as I can remember, my dad's bikes had Schwinn on the side. So as far back as I could read, I always got that joke. <laughs> and that's why. The other, the other important thing to discuss about this joke is Kermit's hopping ability. Um, I, I feel like I may have brought this up at some point in the past, but like, I don't know if there's any other time that we see Kermit like being able to leap 10 feet into the air, 15 feet into the air like this. Well, there's doo-wop hop from Sesame Street. The only other example I can think of, and I was thinking about this a lot uh, as I was preparing for this episode, is that classic borderline unplayable um, Game Boy Color game, The Muppets, wow. in which Kermit could collect stars to make his jump better. Yeah, I don't think that counts. No, but... But I think uh, in in the Frog Prince, he probably jumps around at some point because I think all those frogs become marionettes in certain shots, and they're all just hopping around. Yeah, like when so they're oh, when they're trying ability. to get away from Sweetums in the dungeon, I think. Uh, oh Kermit yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're they're flopping all over the place. Yeah, that so that's another example of Kermit's jumping ability. A better example than hop around. Does he hop around in the song Disco Frog? I think he might just uh, do his sweet disco moves. I don't know if it involves hopping. It's been a while. Too long. Yeah, it's uh, it's in the Christopher Reeve episode, which is one of my favorites. Ah. Um, so, anyways, after Kermit loses his bicycle, he walks up to the El Slizo, which we do not see the inside of the El Slizo in these minutes. But uh, even the outside, I want to say, um, in an earlier episode, we name-checked production designer Joel Schiller. And I think the El Slizo is one of his best contributions to this movie because it looks so much like a genuinely grummy, sleazy 70s bar. And if the movie is Muppets in the real world, like the El Slizo really doesn't hold back on that front. Right. It looks really gritty and dirty and completely unlike anything else that we'd ever seen in a Muppet production before this. Right. Even, yeah, even from the outside, I think. Yeah. And, um, and then, of course, James Coburn gets thrown out of the of the uh, bar. One of our one of our, for, I guess he's our second cameo guest star, right? After Dom DeLuise. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and he's get, he's our second of something else too. Yeah, he's he's also our second. Well, he's actually our second of three things. He's our second cameo guest star. He's our second Pixar voice. He was Mr. Mm-hmm. Waterhouse in Monsters Inc. And he is our second uh, Muppet Show guest star that we've seen on screen after Dom DeLuise. That's true. Yeah, and he's one of the very few 
I mean, I don't know how many, but most of the guest stars in this movie had already either appeared on the Muppet Show, or the, the Muppet Show, or at least had taped their episode. But his episode would not happen until season five. Also, yeah, he's the second person we see in this movie who can jump fifteen feet into the air. <laughs> yeah, little known fact. <laughs> That's actually, um, uh, James Coburn won an Oscar for the movie Affliction in 1997, and that was actually uh, awarded primarily for his hopping ability. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite part of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, that's how he cheers up alcoholic Nick Nolte, right? By hopping. <laughs> um, and we should, we should point, for those who don't know who James Coburn is, he was, an, he was a tough guy. He was in The Great Escape. He played super spy in uh, Our Man Flint. He's in Duck You Sucker, which is one of my favorite westerns. I've never even seen it, but I love the title. A, well, yeah, even beyond having a great title, great movie. Um, but yeah, he, he had a long career. He died in 2002. But uh, his work is well worth seeking out beyond his cameo here, which we'll get more into because that brings us down to the end of these minutes. So do either of you have anything to add before we close? I have one other note, actually, from uh, that 1978 draft of the script. Uh, before in that in that draft, before Kermit gets to the El Slizo, there are a couple more things that happen. Um, and actually, I don't. I'm not sure if the steamroller thing happens, but so in that draft, Kermit is riding his bike and he's forced off the road by a farm truck, and he yells "Road Hog!" and then it cuts to the driver of the truck, who naturally is a Muppet pig. I think it's a smart choice, you know. It's weird that I say this because one of my favorite things is, you know, um, like in Muppet Christmas Carol, where Muppets and people are just like fully integrated into into a town. One of the Muppet movie being sort of like Kermit finding his place. I feel like it's very important that there like are no other Muppets until he finds the Muppets. That seems to be yeah, what I they agree. decided on ultimately. Yeah. Um, so, and then after that, there was a scene where he went to a gas station where a woman approached him and, uh, like she's looking for a, to, for a frog she can kiss who might turn into Prince Charming. So she kisses him and nothing happens, but then a prince rides up on a horse, which is, I guess, funny, but kind of strange. And well, ultimately, that sounds like something out of a different movie. Yeah, <laughs> ultimately not necessary at all. Yeah, totally, I don't see how it would work here. No, no, not you at know? all. And then uh, finally, that gas station scene would also feature uh, a cameo by Secretary of State Henry Kissinger as a sheriff uh, who who enters the scene and Kermit informs him that, sorry, Henry, there's no part in this movie for a sheriff. Henry Kessinger says he really wants to be in the movie, but Kermit has to uh, turn him down. But that will not, strangely enough, that will not be the last we see of Henry Kessinger in the draft of the script. And that is a perfect teaser for a future episode, because that brings us right down to the end of another one, as Kermit used to say. Also, Henry Kissinger, if he were in that scene, he would be the third uh, celebrity in this movie who can jump 15 feet into the air. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I, you can't argue with science. So uh, in the meantime, while, while you're imagining Henry Kissinger jumping 15 feet in the air, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, and everything else. Uh, 
you can follow me on Twitter at Zeppomarxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And Evan, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Sure. So um, I'm on a bunch of places on social media. I feel like I mostly post on uh, Tumblr, where you can find me in two places. At Uncle Petunio, which is like uncle, like your relative. And then Petunio, which is like Petunia, except with an O instead of an A. Um, you can also, if you're a fan of going needlessly in-depth on weird uh, media from the 70s, which you clearly are because you're listening to this show, uh, I have a Tumblr blog called Daily Fantastic, which you can find at Daily Fantastic, where I look panel by panel at 70s Fantastic Four comics. So definitely uh, consider checking that out as well. Yes, oh man, that sounds, that sounds great. Yeah, great stuff. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on iTunes because positive reviews on iTunes help us find listeners. Also, right. tell your friends. Also, tell your friends in real life about the show. Tell Henry Kissinger. Tell, tell Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Tell him we've been talking about him on our podcast. Sure. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye. We're gone with the Schwinn.